Well, we are very delighted today to have our good friend, Pastor Brian Emmett, with us. Uh, Brian has um, been a pastor for many, many years, um, pastoring a church in Arlington, Massachusetts, just right outside of Boston Covenant Church, and then more recently has been uh, released into a new season of his life, and he is a tremendous coach. Um, a speaker and consultant for so many different leaders around the country. Uh, namely, we are excited that he has a connection with us because he's also the father to Pete and more importantly, the grandfather to Lucia. That is of utmost importance. We all love Lucia. In fact, I'm kind of surprised she hasn't made a cameo just even on today's deal. So who knows? She might. But we're delighted to have Brian with us, and he's going to share just for a little, little bit here. And then we're going to enter into a conversation around what he's talking about, namely the issue of prayer. And uh, before you turn off, actually, I think you're going to really be encouraged by his insights and the discussion. Now, here's what I want you to do, because if you're watching by Facebook Live, you have the opportunity to participate with us today. So if you have a question, as Brian is sharing, around what he's talking about, I want you to feel encouraged and free, and please do type in that question into those comments in our chat feature on Facebook Live, and it will allow for us to field as many of those as possible. We'll have a discussion after Brian shares for 10 or 15 minutes, and then you'll be able to hear further the discussion that Pete and Will, Don and I will be having with Brian. So Brian, Welcome to our live stream. We're excited that you're here. Thank you, Chris, and uh, greetings to you all from uh, Chapel Hill. Uh, my wife, Kathy, is with me. So, Kathy, lean on in and say hi to everybody. Hi. It's great, great to be uh, with you all. We obviously long to be with you in person and look forward to, to those days at some point in the future. And as Chris mentioned, this will be a little bit of a different kind of sermon. It's going to be a little bit more conversational, um, and uh, I'd welcome you uh, to participate into that. Uh, into, in that. Uh, as Chris said, I'm going to speak for about 10 minutes. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, what pastor says I'm going to preach for 10 minutes. Uh, I, I'll go for 12 minutes and four seconds, so you can start your clocks and uh, let me know when I get to 12.04, and uh, you know, then Scott can kill the feed or whatever. Um, and I really am hoping that what we do this morning um, won't just be a conversation for this morning, but that it will seed some conversations uh, for you as a, as a church community. And not just seed conversations, but um, seed some new things in prayer. Um, so I want to talk a little bit this morning about how do we pray in times like these? And my big idea, or maybe it's just a big suggestion, is how is God calling us to learn to pray differently, to expand how we think about prayer, how we practice it in the face of all that we're facing? And I'm not at all saying that we've been all praying wrong all this time, and now here I am to straighten everybody out. I don't mean that at all. I'm just wanting to explore the ways in which our praying hasn't been bad. Maybe it's just incomplete in some ways. If you can say there's more to prayer than we know, we're on the same page this morning. Now, you don't need to, me to tell you that 2020 has been quite the year so far. 
Remember those happy days we now refer to as early March, when the economy seemed to be doing okay, outlook was generally, you know, somewhat sunny, and then an invisible virus has upended the world. So we've seen denials, we've seen lockdowns, attempted reopenings, shutdowns, surges, curves flattening, curves going the wrong ways, massive layoffs, sheltered businesses, occasional shortages of critical supplies, and on and on and on. And then the murder of George Floyd, that, that awful, appalling, galvanizing video. And then protests, some of which turned violent, flags ripped down and burned, statues toppled, cries for justice, cries for vengeance, cries for change. And all of this in the midst of an increasingly dysfunctional national culture and politics, a looming election that is inflaming passions and fears all across the, the country, and a general unease that the American experiment may be facing some very tough challenges. And 2020 still has five months to go. And, and then it'll be 2021, <laughs> and who knows? <laughs> so I think, I think we all have a, a feeling, a sense that we're, we're in some kind of pivotal moment. And so one way to frame our question this morning is what does pivotal praying in pivotal times look like? What might it look like? You may be familiar with uh, the theory that within human history, it, it seems like the purposes of God take a big leap forward about every 500 years. Uh, Phyllis Tickle is the scholar who kind of pulled this theory together. And uh, Bob Mumford, a preacher that some of us uh, are familiar with, has uh, has also been talking uh, in these terms. And just in very broad brush terms, if you look at uh, human history, um, around 1500 is the patriarchs. And then uh, 500 years after that, around the year 1000 is King David, Solomon, and the temple. About 500 years of that is the exile of God's people into Babylon. 500 years after that, year zero, if you will, is uh, Jesus. Um, 500 years after that, roughly, the fall of the Roman Empire. 500 years after that, about the year 1000 AD, there's the great schism in the church as the one body of Christ fractures into the Western church and, and the Eastern church. 500 years later, 1500, the Reformation. 500 years after that, 2020. <laughs> So this may really be an oversimplification, but what if there's some truth to the idea that God gives the deck of history a major reshuffle every five centuries or thereabouts? And what if we're somewhere in the midst of such a divine reshuffling? How would that shape the ways we pray, change the ways we pray? expand them. So I want to offer us three things to think about together, and then Chris and Will and Pete and I and all of you will have a chance to, to kick these three ideas around a little bit. 
First, uh, Hebrews uh, 7, verse 25. Um, let me read it in the NIV, and then I'm going to pull uh, the King James Version of it. So Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely or forever those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Or as the King James, he ever liveth to intercede for his people. So I want you to picture our King, Jesus, crucified, risen, ascended, seated at the Father's right hand, reigning and praying, interceding for his people. Do you think Jesus is praying what we're praying? Might he be praying differently? Might he be willing to let us listen in and maybe find our prayers starting to align more clearly with his? Then uh, Romans 8, Paul talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in uh, Romans 8, uh, verses 26 and 27. Go like this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Another translation says, with sighs and groans too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Can I get an amen? But Jesus is praying for us. And the Holy Spirit is praying in and through and with and for us in accordance with God's will. So might the one God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, might God want to help us get in on their Trinitarian praying? What might that look like? How could we do that? Does that sound interesting, worth exploring? Second, I want to latch on to the words um, from uh, Romans 8, uh, sighs and groans, too deep for words. Those, those inarticulate prayers that words just don't feel adequate for. Prayers that run beyond what our words seem to have the capacity to express. And another word for sighs and groans is lament. Lament means to give voice to grief, to sorrow, to sadness, loss, dismay, discouragement, even despair, but all of it offered in the presence of God. And one thing more, to lament is to give voice to a deep longing, a deep desire that the world would be different, that the church would be different, that you and I and us, that we'd be who we know we ought to be, but 
we're just not there yet. And as we lament the absence of peace, of justice, of true shalom, of wholeness, the, the, the absence of righteousness and mercy and forgiveness in a strange way, our lament bears witness to them. So lament is not complaining or grumbling or a pity party. Lament takes with utmost seriousness, seriousness the goodness of God and the realities of our sin-sourced miseries, afflictions, and oppressions. Lament does not deny that the good news of Jesus is the best news the world and all who live within it are ever going to hear. And it does not suppress the bad news with and in which so many all around the world still live. Daniel chapter 9 and Nehemiah chapter 9, we won't look at them this morning, but just to kind of reference them for you, are amazing pattern prayers of lament. So are about half of the Psalms. The Psalms, which many call the prayer book of the Bible, about half of them are lament. So scriptural faith is far more familiar with and comfortable with this idea of lament than we tend to be. So what might happen if we started to explore that a little further together? And finally, let me close with this. What a rat, I'm sorry, what a vast, rich, and deep treasury of prayer is ours in Christ. We've been gifted with the Psalms. Perhaps we could begin exploring how do the psalmists pray differently than we pray? And what might that suggest for how God might want to add? or expand our own lives of prayer. We have the already mentioned prayers of Daniel and Nehemiah, of all the people in scripture, the prophets. We have Jesus's prayers, the Lord's prayer, and John 17 prominent among them. We have Paul's prayers for the churches that were under his care, the prayers in the book of Revelation. And what if we tried reading Revelation as a guide to prayer rather than a train schedule for the end of the world. And in addition to that, we have 20 centuries of the Church of Jesus at prayer, Catholic and Orthodox, monastic, reformational prayers. Think of that reformational classic, the Book of Common Prayer. What a, what a treasury it is for us. Prayers of the Black Church. Prayers of the Native American church. Do we even know them? Prayers of the non-Western church. What if we started to explore and enjoy and make ourselves more fully at home within this vast, spacious, and rich house of prayer that the Trinity has been faithfully constructing since before the dawn of creation. Well, I said that was the last thing, but there was one thing more this morning. That's what happens when you review your notes Sunday morning. So 
One thing more. In Revelation chapter 8, we're given a powerful picture of prayer. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. On the golden altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. The prayers of all the saints rising up before God. And then God's response to those prayers, God's answer to those prayers, those prayers in some way being hurled down upon the earth to make an impact on the earth, an impact that in its early stages feels like thunder, lightning, rumblings, and earthquakes. So here's my exit question. What if what we're experiencing in these days is somehow part of God's answer to the prayers of all the saints? What if in these times of confusion and turmoil, what's really going on is God answering the prayers of all his saints? So you're right. I'm raising way more questions than I have answers for. But if they're in any way God-inspired questions, perhaps we can hope for and seek together some God-provided answers. So learning to pray alongside our interceding king and his indwelling interceding spirit, learning to lament, and how could this year not lead us into lament. Recognizing and receiving the vast inheritance of prayer that is ours in Christ. Wondering how what we're seeing today might in fact be perhaps the early stages of God's answer to our prayers. So Chris, Will, and Peter, what do you think would be good for us to kick around together? Brian, I, I have to say you ask amazing questions and it makes us all just start thinking and pondering. And I think that's a helpful exercise for each of us. Um, as I listen to you talk, it makes me realize that our orientation is oftentimes not his orientation that we're, we're disconnected from the vein of what the Trinity is at work doing. That a lot of times we are consumed by our own needs and, uh, and, and we're instructed to pray for those needs, we are. And we're, we're concerned about what we're losing or what we haven't gained or we're worried about the needs of the day rather than what Jesus himself is praying. For us and what the spirit is ever making intercession for us as well when i hear you talk 
about the the prayers of history of the church and prayers in scripture um daniel 9 nehemiah 9 you said half of the psalms i remember uh uh will's dad brother john duke he taught me how to pray the psalms and when you you didn't know how to pray to open up a psalm and pray that was life producing and it was reorienting me around what god was doing can you talk more fully, Brian, just about those recorded prayers and how we could engage those and it would be life for us? Yeah, great question, Chris. And I, I, I love the, you know, all of us to kick this around. I'm not sure that I have, you know, the, the answer for it, but um, I, I don't know about you all, but I used to feel like uh, written out prayers were inauthentic. You know, that if you weren't praying uh, spontaneously in the moment uh, from your heart, that anything else was, you know, vain religion. Um, and as I've grown older, I've been so grateful. Uh, we don't know how to pray as we ought. And so God has generously, graciously supplied uh, in Scripture and then through the church's prayerful praying of those scriptures, um, prayers that we can make our own. Uh, and I think that's what you were talking about, Chris. I think that's uh, part of what uh, Pastor John taught you was how to have these prayers become our prayers. So we're not just, you know, there's nothing, prayer is not magic. It's not we're not trying to find the right incantational formula so that God will do what God is supposed to do. Um, as you said earlier, Chris, prayer is communion with God. It's a way of uh, being in his presence. Uh, and, you know, I'm, as I said, I, I'm just struck by how the psalmist prayed differently. It's just, it's really different. And, even how these prayers that are, what, 1,500, 2,000 years old uh, are tremendous sources of nourishment uh, for people who live, you know, inhabit a very different world, but uh, find in these prayers uh, pathways, trails into the presence of God. Yeah, I think that raises some interesting uh, thoughts for us. I like the idea of um, that there's sort of already Trinitarian prayer happening. Uh, so it's not that God is offline until we sort of click in on our walkie talkies and say, hey, we need this. Um, you know, that he's already in the Trinity you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are are interceding for us um, so that more of what we're doing is how can we get on that wavelength? Uh, and as you were saying at the beginning, Dad, just sort of, you know, can we listen in on those prayers and have them direct us? I think that's a very different, I mean, it's cool, but it's a different way of thinking about it because then it removes us from just the immediacy of our own feelings and emotions and circumstances, although those are valid. 
and puts us into a place where we have to at least be submitted to there might be something else going on or there might be a bigger, um, something bigger going on, but that we can get in on in some way. Um, so whether that's through already written prayers like the Psalms or other prayers that you mentioned that can sort of get us on track with where Jesus is currently praying um, or, you know, just our own prayers as we listen, can we hear from God where he is actively praying and let that direct us? Uh, I think that at least is food for thought, a helpful way of thinking about it and probably a little bit different than oftentimes we approach prayer um, or I at least approach prayer, even if it's not just help me fix this problem. It's sort of like, well, I have all these things that I think would be good things for me to pray for and people and situations and, you know, which is all fine, but then it just, it changes the orientation that there's already something. The orientation is not me. There's already an orientation. There's already a true North out there. So we're more trying to align with that. Um, so I find that helpful. This isn't really a question, um, but then also the idea, just the second part that floated along with that, um, this idea that lament is not grumbling or complaining, but sort of holding this vision of something that's right and true in the way God would have it to be. And then we are expressing the gap between that and where we are. But it's a very, it's very, I don't know, God-centered and hopeful, um, as opposed to what sometimes we think of lament or complaining or grumbling as just sort of like, woe is me, life's so hard. 2020, you know, burn it all down, whatever we may be tempted to do in this time, it there can be like, we can still express the, the idea that it's not where it's supposed to be, but it's there's great purpose in it because it's holding up. Even if we don't know exactly what it is, he does. So it's holding it up and saying there's aspects that are not, you know, the way it's supposed to be. How can we both like long for it to be closer to that, but then include ourselves and our own hearts in it? How can you pull all of it towards where you're going? And we don't get to control that, um, but we do trust that it's, that it's good. But that's hard because right now we want to say exactly the way things should be fixed. Um, you know, this should be done in society. This should be done with pandemic. This should be done with, you know, racial, racial reconciliation. This should be done with education. You know, we all have ideas of the way it should go. Um, yeah. Um, you know, St. Augustine, uh, one of his major contributions to the life of the church and the life of prayer is this idea of um, what do you love? And discipleship is actually the proper formation of our loves. You know, will we love what God loves in the ways that God loves all that he loves? And so just thinking about discipleship, including the discipleship of prayer, you know, how do we learn to pray? And so, you know, 
praying along the lines of what what does father love what what what's that what does that mean and and how does that take shape in my life uh how do I move? How, how, how does the, the grace of God move me from someone who basically is in love with myself? <laughs> and the problem with that is I was created for something better, <laughs> right? You, 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 even yourself is not enough for you. You were created for something bigger than you. Uh, but how does that, you know, how, how do we, uh, and, and like you said, uh, Pete, the idea of listening in, how do we do that? How do we learn to listen into the Trinity at prayer? Um, you know, when we read Revelation, one of the things that, you know, we gain from that is that, you know, our earthly worship is a stepping into what's eternally going on. You know, we're not making something happen. It's like for an hour, you know, a week, God opens the door and lets us in. And of course, all of life should be worship, you know, and, and that's where we're trying to move to is that we're always participating in what's already happening. And, and if prayer is a part of that, we get to get in on what on a conversation that's already taking place. And and God's not doing this, He's doing. That's so good. That is so good. <clears throat> I think that's what struck me this morning the most, uh, probably, is the the invitation. Um, and, you know, these are really big things to think about, big things to talk about. Um, and uh, it's easy, I think, to kind of shrink back from that, to go, uh, this is too big for me to figure out. You know, I already know how to... <laughs> I already know how to pray, but we are, but we know we don't. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I find myself at first saying, well, something is wrong with the way that I pray. I should just fix it. You know, um, like it'd be easy to stop at the very first hurdle and say, I just don't pray enough or I don't pray often enough. Um, and, and then have something to go check a box. Um, but like you said, there's more to it, and it's not just semantics. The the difference between the difference between reacting to our condition, reacting to our circumstance, like Pete was saying, re- reacting. Um, if if prayer is a reaction, that's probably the biggest difference between the way I pray <laughs> and the way Jesus is probably praying. Um, I'm I'm praying as a as a form of running away from something, but he's. He's praying toward, he, he, he's praying based on what he sees, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, when, when we think about that, we think about what do they see? Uh, we, were, we were talking in our home group just the, the, other, um, just the other night. And, uh, and I was thinking about how, you know, God gives us words and we, we can hear what he's saying when we're by ourselves with our spouse. Um, in our home group context, we start to see a, a pattern of how of how he talks to us, um, and and lately for us in our in our house, we've been feeling like there's a, a focus on seeking his face, to seeking seeking him, and not a fix. Once you've dumped the pack out, 
then then you have to look up. You can't look at, at both, you know. Um, but I, I really I'm really encouraged by the way that that you've brought this up, and it it's, it is good to talk about um, how do we how do we let him lead us into prayer as opposed to <laughs> running into prayer. Yeah. That's great, Will. Um, and I, I really want to underline, um, I am not, you know, this is not about <laughs> whatever struggles you have in your life for prayer. I just made them like 10 billion times worse, right? <laughs> so please, please don't go there. You know, I'm not trying to uh, make, make us feel ashamed or anything else uh, about our prayer. It's more, can we allow God to add some things, not feel like, oh, we're just pitiful and, you know, um, and two, I think, you know, we're Americans. And so there's got to be a technical fix for this, right? You know, like just give me the Trinitarian prayer channel, you know, and, you know, I'll just load it onto my phone and there will be, um, it, it's not going to work that way. You know, it's, all these, part of what we discover is we access, you know, the, what I've called the house of prayer that the Trinity has been building is um, it's not a process that's in our control. You know, we can't just say, okay, uh, we're ready to get in on the Trinitarian prayer meeting, you know, and because a lot of times God really does this and then keeps doing this keeps doing this. And sometimes it almost feels like God is withdrawing from us, but he's not. He's kind of pulling us towards him. But our experience can be, you know, God's, you know, uh, God's not, it can feel like we're experience absence rather than presence. And, um, that's part of it, you know, so just all the ancient pathways, solitude, silence, patience, uh, you know, it's not, uh, that's, you know, that's all part of it. You know, we can't just leapfrog our way uh, into this. I feel like the theme running through all of this is that prayer comes from God and it's his gift to us that we could get in on what he is saying and doing and praying. We don't have that language. That's why the Holy Spirit has to teach it to us. Um, and this idea that even the laments are, are part of that, I think um, it, when you said that, Brian, it made me think of a message by Spurgeon on Revelation 5.8, the golden bowls of incense, the prayers of the saints. And I'm not going to quote him well, but the concept was basically that when we, even our petitions that we give to God, when we talk about the need for mercy, it's because we are making a doxology, a statement of faith that God has mercy to give. When we lament about the condition of our hearts or our culture or the world in general, it's it's a posture of faith that says, God, you can do something about this. Right. And I think that's why it's not a complaint. 
complaining when I do it <laughs> is usually because I don't expect anyone to fix the problem. That's why I'm whining about it. But when I talk to God about it, I really am expecting him to do something about it or to explain to me what my place needs to be while I'm waiting for him to do something about it. So I, I really appreciate what each of you have shared about the fact that prayer starts with God, it returns to God, the focus is all on God. And no matter where I am in my context, the largest context of it all is, is Him. His, his presence, His wooing me. Um, in that same message by Spurgeon, he shared that uh, we are driven to prayer when all other consolations fail us. And I think that in the world we're living in right now, we are seeing the loss of so many consolations, good ones and man-made ones mm -hmm. and, and all of that. But the purpose of that frustration is what he talked about in Romans when he said he's frustrating uh, creation, not for the purpose of frustration, but to bring us in to the glorious freedom of the children of God. And... um that he is inviting us into this pivotal moment in prayer to add to those golden bowls that you talked about, Brian. That is really big. And like Will, I want it makes me want to sit down <laughs> the first the first hurdle and think I can't do it. Um, <laughs> but I want to want to do it. And I think that's part of why this conversation is so important is to stir up in us a passion to keep leaning in and pressing forward and not sit down at the first hurdle. Yeah, that's right. I think too, you know, and back to Will's uh, earlier picture of, you know, the pack, um, the, these, these paths of prayer are well-trodden, but they're not super highways. You know, you, you can't get in your SUV and just cruise over all the bumps. You've got to walk them. Uh, you know, and that's actually, uh, you know, it's, it's the trail, if you will, that builds you as the kind of person who is capable of continuing on the trail. So, you know, those obstacles are, are necessary and they're not, they're not punishment. They're not God's resistance. You know, it's not because you're bad. It's just, yeah, you know, uh, I think part of what God is saying is we just need to build some different prayer muscles. And and the way you do that is painful, right? Any, you know, anything you do for the first couple of times, you're hurting for, you know, weeks after and whining and complaining, you know. But what happens is, you, you know, over time, you find yourself more, comfortable, more at home, more excited, because as you stay on the trail, you get to see stuff that you never knew was there. Right. Yeah. And, and if you can't, you know, if you can't kind of take the trek, you, you just don't, you don't know what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's sort of like God saying, Hey, this whole world is yours. And, and, you know, I never get beyond, the lamppost at the end of my block, you know, it's still all mine, you know, in Christ, but I just, you know, how could we get out there together and explore it a little bit more? And it's not going to be by building a super highway or a super computer, 
um, it's going to be that, you know, trail trekking. Wow. Brian, this has stimulated a lot of good questions on our chat. We won't have time to, to get them all, but here's a, here's an interesting one. Can you touch on the length of prayers? For instance, brevity is instructed in one sense and constancy is instructed in another sense. So how do you, which is it, or is it both? Yes, all of the above. Um, so if you look through the Psalms, I think the shortest Psalm is maybe two verses. Uh, Psalm 117, I think is the shortest. Uh, Psalm 119, the longest Psalm is 176 verses. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you look at all the prayers in scripture, I mean, one of the shortest, most powerful prayers in scripture is, uh, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, the, uh, the, the tax man, you know, and the Pharisee, Luke 18. Right. Um, so I think it's all of the above. And I think, uh, you know, Paul's admonition to pray at all times, to pray without ceasing. You know, I don't think he means that you're in your prayer closet 24 hours a day. I think it's more that how do we learn to participate in this eternal Trinitarian prayer meeting through all the things that we're doing every day? Uh, you know, so I, as I think about prayer without ceasing, yeah, sometimes it's, you know, it's just arrow prayers. You know, you're driving along, you hear the ambulance and you just say, Lord, please help that person. And you forget, you know, that's it. You forget about it and you go on your way. Um, you know, other times, you know, the same car trip, you're listening to something on the radio and you just find yourself praying about that, you know, until you get to your destination. So I think it's all of it. And I think um, learning to be fluent, um, this obviously dates me, but, uh, you know, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, you know, dancing and the fact, uh, and, and there's certainly contemporary examples of this, of people who are comfortable in all kinds of dances. They can do ballroom, they can do, they can do swing, they can do ballet, you know, and just becoming, and I don't mean that for every single one of us, but as a, as a community, it, could we become more fluent in a, a wider band of, of prayer? And it doesn't mean everybody has to do everything, but everybody can kind of get in on more than um, than maybe we're currently getting in on. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yes. Um, another question that's uh, been posed is: uh, Are there is there practical advice or suggestions on how our home groups, our smaller groups, can really begin to move into this shift around lament and prayer? Are there suggestions? And then even with that, there's a there's a a question about recommendations. You mentioned the Book of Common Prayer. Are there other sources or resources that you could recommend? What was the question again? <laughs> uh, Just how we could practically move into these efforts in our small group configurations. Are there ideas, suggestions, and are there resources beyond what we've already talked about you might suggest? Yeah, um, certainly in, in right. Even poetry. Um, Kathy was just saying uh, poetry. Um, the Psalms are 
poems as well as prayers. Uh, some Bible scholars feel that most of Jesus's words, that at least big chunks of them, are actually poetry, more like poetry than prose. Um, so uh, here's a resource. Uh, a British Anglican uh, priest, poet, songwriter named Malcolm Guite, G-U-I-T-E. Uh, great resource of sonnets. Um, I think for home groups, um, the, the practice of Lectio Divina, uh, that's Latin for divine reading of scripture. And you can go online and uh, it's just a way to slow down how we listen to scripture. I think that's one of the main things we need to learn is how to slow down a bit or a lot. And also how to be uh, more comfortable with silence. Right, I'm not talking and we're all getting uncomfortable. Because silence means nothing's happening. <laughs> but in fact, a lot happens when we get silent. So I think, um, you know, uh, one thing I'd suggest for a home group is, um, you know, somebody set a timer and just sit together in silence for 10 minutes. And your heads will explode, you'll go crazy, and then just process it. You know, after that, just sort of say, hey, and just try and say, we just wanna be silent, not for the sake of silence, but for the sake of being attentive to Jesus. And everybody will say, you know, I could only go 15 seconds and then my mind, you know, was off and then I had to pull it back. And, and that's, you know, that's just the starting point to sort of start to explore why, why can't we be at peace in silence? Why do we feel this compulsion to fill, fill the air with the, you know, the sound of our voices? Um, so those would be two suggestions. Um, you know, I think just exploring the Book of Common Prayer, that's one, you know, they're, they're you know, Donna mentioned Spurgeon. I mean, you know, once you start to look at it, you realize like we're in Fort Knox and, <laughs> you know, we have no idea. We have vast uh, resources and treasures all around us. And we'll never explore all of it, but, you know, can we start to explore a little bit more? So, yeah. you know, fortunately we live in a time where, you know, it's easier to research some of these things. And I, I think it would be cool, you know, if you guys, if this seems worthwhile, you know, start, start to explore that for a year and see what you generate, see what you discover, uh, not only for yourselves, but that may be uh, seed for other people. You know, as you say, wow, look what we, look what we discovered. It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. Here you, know, here you go. We got it for free. Here, right. Right. You know, we want to make it available to you for free. Yeah, that's wonderful. I feel like that's kind of what you've done for us today. Uh, you've broken off a piece and shared it with us, Brian. We are very, very grateful yes. for your obedience and uh, and just the humility in which you come to us and share these things as a as a, a fellow journeyer 
a co co laborer and journeyer to with him. So thank you for that. And uh, let's just spend a moment now and pray our uh, as we conclude today's live stream. I'm very grateful that uh, Pete and Will and Donna could join in in this conversation. All of you uh, really added such great insight and just your own process. But if you're listening uh, where you are right now, would you join us in prayer? Let's just take a moment right now and sanctify this moment and ask the Lord to help us in this pursuit of Him uh, in this process. Father, you know that uh, I've been punching way above my weight this morning. Uh, I pray that uh, you would take what we've said today and cause... Uh, cause the the eternal to remain with us and uh, let everything else just uh, find its proper place in the eternal. God, I'm so grateful that everything you do is to help us grow and that we can learn to pray better. We can learn to lament because you want it to happen. Lord, we come in the place not that we've been doing something wrong, but just this idea that it's incomplete. In some ways it will always be incomplete until we are with you face to face, but it's not a condemnation, but encouragement um, that there can be more of you that we can experience. Uh, And even as we're talking about prayer, reminded of, you know, the relational nature of prayer in the Trinity, um, that prayer is communion with you. So I pray that we wouldn't go into academic um, academic processes of, you know, oh, this is the best prayer or, oh, this is the way to do it, but that you would invite us deeper into relationship with you. Um, and we believe that it's not, like Dad said, incantation that if done perfectly produces a result, but it's relationship. As we pray, we are opening our hearts to you and then believing that you respond. So we pray for all of us um, that we would sense your invitation into deeper relationship with you, to deeper communion with you as you are in the Trinity, uh, that that would produce something in us that uh, expands us, that adds more to us, uh, and that increases our hope and our faith in you, Lord. Father, you're always both personal and corporate or community. The prayer meeting that you're having in the Godhead is personal and intimate, and yet you do invite us in. Mm -hmm. And when we do get in on that, it changes us personally, but it activates us corporately and in community 
even as you are teaching us how to pray. It's amazing to consider that you are also answering the prayers like Brian told us in Revelation 8, yes. when you poured out that on the earth. You have always spoken to your people, and you have always invited us to speak with you mm. through prayer. And we are humbled and excited and, okay, terrified at engaging in this relationship with you differently. Yes. You are calling us and we want to respond personally and individually and then also all together as your people. Yes, Lord. Thank you that you that you are at work in your kingdom through prayer and you are inviting us into that work and into that mission. And everything we need is going to come in prayer that is powered by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And Lord, if all that we're seeing in our nation and around the world, if all of that that has disrupted us and caused things to change and shift, if all of that is the answer to prayers from before, we say yes and amen to what you are doing. We recognize that things are not as they should be and that we as humanity cannot make it so. It all is resting in you. And so we submit ourselves to you to pray in accordance with what you would want us yes. to pray, to live the same way, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. And I pray in this season, Lord, we'll not be quick towards opinion, not be quick towards answering people's questions even when they're not asking them to us. We will be quick to pray. Thy kingdom come. Yes, Lord. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for Brian and for this discussion today and for all those that are listening. Take us now on this path to better understand. As your Brian said, just giving the indicator, come, come, come. We want to go, Lord. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Will and Pete and That's Donna. Wonderful. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Uh,